Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let us enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to him in song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. Come, let us worship our king. Come, let us bow at his feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how his love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. We can faithful through every storm. We'll be grateful forevermore. You have done great things. And I know you will do God, you do great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Mm. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. You've done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. You have done great things. Oh, God, you do great things. 
want you to take just a second and think about one great thing that God has done in your life ever. You got it? Now I want us to pray out loud together. And here's what I want us to pray. I want us to pray, God, you are faithful and you have done great things in my life. Thank you for, and then tell him the great thing that you're thankful for this morning. And an out loud prayer. You are a faithful God. God, thank you for. Let's pray that together out loud. Your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, this is my confidence, you never fail me. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your this is my confidence, you never fail. Your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, this is my confidence. You never fail 
so much that when we are facing a mountain that you can choose to move it and God when we're going through the fires you can choose to be with us through it and God I thank you that in all things no matter our circumstances no matter what lies ahead of us no matter what's happened in our past we can recognize and know and trust that you are faithful give us confidence to believe that, and to walk in that every day. God, continue to be honored in our service. Open our hearts and our minds to hear your word and to understand what you want to teach us and show us and reveal to us today. Holy Spirit, help us to be aware of your presence that is here right now. In Christ's name, amen. Check, check, check. We got it. We got it. Everybody, we got it. Yay. All right. It's good to be here in the house this morning. Are you glad to be back in services together? Yes, I'm excited too. So we're going to go right into that. 
uh, from that vein of worship, and we're not going to have downtime, we're not going to have some jokes or whatever, I want to I get you to hold your Bible up. If you've got your Bible this morning, if you don't have one, there should be one in the seat back for you. Hold it up and declare with me, on the count of three, we're going to say, this is the Word of God. One, two, three, this is the Word of God. This morning, we're going to be hearing from the Word of God to see how we can learn from God's Word, but also how we can apply that to our lives. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Ezra chapter 1. It is in the Old Testament. It's one of those verse, or one of those chapters that doesn't get read a lot in the book of Ezra. If you grew up in church singing songs, when you heard Ezra, you automatically thought what next after Ezra? Nehemiah, every time, because it just kind of goes together. Well, interesting fact is in the original Hebrew Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah was one story. It was one book, and it wasn't until just a few hundred years ago that it was separated into two books. So it's one flowing story, and we're going to talk about that just a little bit there. So if you're there in Ezra chapter 1, say amen. All right, let's, let's get into it. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, The Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem. And may your God be with you. Wherever this Jewish remnant is found, let their neighbors contribute toward their expenses by giving them silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock, as well as the voluntary offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then God stirred the hearts of the priests and Levites and the leaders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And all their neighbors assisted by giving them articles of silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock. They gave them many valuable gifts in addition to all the voluntary offerings. King Cyrus himself brought out the articles that King Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the Lord's temple in Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his own gods. Cyrus directed Mithridath, the treasurer of Persia, to count these items and present them to Sheshbazar, the leader of the exiles returning to Judah. This is a list of the items that were returned. Gold basins, 30. Silver basins, 1,000. Silver incense burners, 29. Gold bowls, 30. Silver bowls, 410. Other items, 1,000. In all, there were 5,400 articles of gold and silver. Shes Bazar brought all these along with the exiles when the exiles went from Babylon to Jerusalem. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Jesus, we ask you for your presence here this morning, for your Holy Spirit to come and to speak to us, God, as we've gathered here this morning. God, as we've sang, we've remembered the great things that you've done in our lives, and we've cried out, and we thank you for them, God. And we've sung and proclaimed, Lord, that we believe that you will do it again. 
So God, this morning, we ask that these would not be my words, but yours. Holy Spirit, come and stir in us the calling, the flame that you would have us have this morning. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. We'll give you a, a little bit of context of what's going on here in this scripture. God has called the people of Jerusalem, the Israelites, to be his elect. These are people that he called to himself. Now, we know that this is during the Old Testament, which is an old covenant. This would be an old dispensation where temple worship has taken place. These people who were supposed to be sold out, followers of God, were getting into all kinds of wickedness. They stopped following God's law. They stopped living in communion with him. They even uh, thwarted their temple worship. Some of them intermarried with uh, pagan believers and started to worship their gods and did not worship the one true God. God, in his righteousness, then called for these people to be taken into captivity for 70 years for their actions. During this time, they were brought to a country not to just be slaves, not just to be work slaves, but to be assimilated into the culture. There, Nebuchadnezzar ordered that all these things uh, from the Jewish temple would be brought there. And, and as far as we know, he ruled all of civilized culture at this point. All these different uh, cultures, all these different countries and stuff, he was going and bringing people there too. And so it was just this big mixture, this big melting pot of beliefs and races and, and all kinds of things that are happening here in, in Babylon. But yet, the Jewish people remained. And for 70 years, they brought their children up to know the things of God. Those that were a part of the tribe of, of uh, Levi knew about temple worship, even though they had never done it before. Even though that was their calling in life, to be priests and to be Levites who served in the temple. They never would have known that. But yet they still know that they were a set-apart people who were living in captivity, even though most of them would ever, never even know what it looks like. So this morning we're going to be talking about restoring authentic worship. Restoring authentic worship. And what happened during this time. In order to restore authentic worship, we must understand who defines worship. If there's one thing that you get a hold of this morning that I would like for you to understand, if you walked away here and didn't remember anything else, is that God sets the terms for authentic worship. We do not make our own practices, and we don't decide how and when and all that is going to happen. You, they could have said easily, hey, we, we worship God just fine out here in Babylon. But God said, no, that's not authentic worship. Listen, we had all kinds of prophecies. We had all kinds of things going on uh, where people uh, did worship. They called out and they called to God. But when it came to authentic worship, something that was going to foretell what the Messiah was going to do in the new covenant, the way that it was determined by God to happen, it was going to happen in the temple. So the temple had to be rebuilt for authentic worship to happen. In 70 AD, the, 
temple was torn down again and to this day has never been rebuilt. We as Christians believe that the, the new temple is in the people, and we'll get to that here in just a minute. Jesus actually said that of his body. In order to rebuild the temple, the people of Israel had to have a few things. It needed to be the right people. It needed to be the right people, the people that God had called to do this. Cyrus was a king. He had plenty of money. He had plenty of wealth, plenty of riches. He could have sent any group of workers. He could have got the finest skilled men to go out and rebuild this temple and probably done it in a really short time. But it was not their place. It took the right people. It took God's chosen people to rebuild it. It needed to be in the right place. King Cyrus, again, could have called for this to be built in Babylon. It would have been closer. They wouldn't have had to ship all this stuff and say, hey, we're going to build a temple to your God and we're going to put it here. But, but Cyrus knew that authentic worship had to happen where God said that it needed to happen. Remember, God determines what authentic worship is. We don't. It needed to be the right time. God proclaimed and even prophesied through the prophet Jeremiah that they would be in captivity for 70 years. And when that 70th year hit, when that 70th year hit, God stirred in King Cyrus for this temple to be rebuilt, for the people of Israel to return to Jerusalem, and for this temple to be rebuilt. It took the right king. Nebuchadnezzar sought out several times. He was the uh, king who most likely uh, preceded King Cyrus. He reached out and had experiences with God multiple times and sought to be a believer of God and then sometimes would fall away and fall back. But it took King Cyrus, the right king, for God to call and to declare this and to stir up in him to order this. They could not have done it without this order. And it was God that moved in the heart of King Cyrus to get this done. Not only was it the right place, the right people, the right time, but it was also the right king. Next, it needed to be the right God. The right God. This, uh, this place was full of all kinds of different beliefs, you name it, all kinds of different idols and, and, and just whatever you wanted to believe. It's a lot like our society now. Just whatever you want to believe. Hey, there's many roads to God, but you just call him whatever you want to. Listen, I'm going to tell you this morning, if that's what you believe or that's where you're leaning, listen, I, I just want to encourage you with something that Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father. He's talking about God except through me. So you will have Muslims that will tell you, hey, we worship the same God, and Jesus was a good prophet, and then we just have to simply ask them, Okay, would a good prophet lie? Because that's what Jesus said. It had to be the right God. They could have come up with many different names to call God, but they knew it was the one true God of Israel who is the true God. Next, they had to remember their call. 
They had to remember their call and who they were. For those people that were born in captivity, they were born as God's elect, they were born with a special calling. And not only was a special calling as an Israelite, but of their tribe. They knew that the tribe of the Levites, that out of the Levites that you get priests and you get temple workers where the authentic worship happens. And there were specific callings through all 12 tribes of Israel. So number one, we got to look at the call of the priest. It says specifically in Ezra chapter 1 that there, that God stirred again in the hearts of the priest. Now I want to remind you that these priests would have grown up in a culture they have never even seen Jerusalem, let alone a temple. Yet they were called to be the people who led in authentic worship and that was the calling on their life. It was because of generation after generation had passed this down to them that they knew about their calling and they knew what God had called them to by their birthright, to be the priest in the temple. Next, the Levites. The call of the Levites. The Levites, very similar with the priests. Now, every priest had to come from the tribe of Levi, but not every Levite was a priest. Other Levites had other temple work that they had to do that participated or worked through uh, the temple worship, the authentic worship that had to take place. Next, it says that God stirred up the calls of the leaders, the call of the leaders. People had to had never know what it looked like to live in Jerusalem, never knew what it was lo looked like to just be God's people in God's land where they needed to be in God's temple. But yet they had to step into a role to be able to see and be the leader that God had called them to be. There was the call of the king. Again, God stirred in the heart of King Cyrus to be able to do this. And it was for such a time as this that he was called to be able to order this and to be able to finance much of this project. And next, there was the call of the people, God's people. It was the call of the people to come together, and everybody had a part. Now, something that I want you to remember is that Ezra and Nehemiah were all the same book. It's part of the whole same story. And many of you, if you're like me, you grew up in a church that maybe had a building funding or they were doing something like that, and they come out there and they preach from where? From Nehemiah. They, they preach about the wall being rebuilt and how it took, would have took 40 years, but somehow they did it and miraculously in 52 days. And the only reason they were able to do that is because everybody come together to do a little, little part. Well, that's what happened in the temple as well. There's more to that story than just the wall being resurrected. There's the story of the temple being rebuilt and authentic worship being reintroduced into their society. But it happened because people gave of their time, talent, and treasures. They brought gold. They brought silver. Everyone did a little part. Uh, Pastor Isaiah and I were talking about this passage of Scripture. We were talking about Nehemiah, and he brought up this week about uh, when they were building the wall, how even each family just built on the piece of the wall that was in front of their homes. 
And that was how God was able to do this. But everybody took part. Everybody carried something. Everybody took something back from Babylon to where these articles from the temple were, were, were being stored. And they took it back to restore the temple, to be able to restore it under God's terms. Now you might be saying, okay, that's good. What does that have to do with us this morning? This is under an older dispensation. This is an old under old covenant. How does this affect us as New Testament 21st century believers? Well, I think there's some things that we can learn and some lessons that we can learn from this passage of Scripture. And I was getting ready back uh, a month or so ago whenever I found out I would be uh, uh, preaching this morning and, and going through Scripture, and, and God really called to me. I believe the Holy Spirit gave me this, uh, this Scripture and, and, and began to see uh, the direction that He was leading us and going this morning. But this morning, this isn't just about us coming back into the building together. But there are some things that we need to understand about coming back to authentic worship as followers of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look about the way back to worship. Many of you... This might be your first time coming back since the pandemic hit. This might be your first time to church in a really long time, or it could be your first time back to church, or first time to church ever. And so we want to look back at the way back to worship. We have to remember, even in the church age, we have to remember even now that God is the one who defines what authentic worship is. In order to do that, as New Testament believers, then we need to be about the business of rebuilding the ecclesia. Now, the ecclesia, I know that's a strange word, and we could use the English term for that, but I, I wanted to call this out to you. This is actually a Greek word. Uh, in the early church, in the New Testament, when they used the word church, they actually used this word, ecclesia. And what the word actually means is a gather, just a gathering. And what they meant by it, what, the, what it actually meant was true followers of Jesus Christ who gathered together. They gathered together. Listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to understand, we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We follow Jesus. We have authority in the name of Jesus Christ. We serve Almighty God. But listen, this is where our power is. This is where our power is in that. God says this, the ecclesia, is the way that we are to worship together. Listen, can you be at home and kneel by your bed and pray and, and cry out to God? Yes, absolutely, you can. That's great. But there was always a gathering. God's perfect plan. His perfect plan to save humanity, to be able to bridge the gap in between the sinner and a holy God. His perfect plan was to send Jesus Christ. And His perfect plan now, and has always been, is for there to be a church, an ecclesia, 
to take that message and to operate in power, to continue to go out and to make his name known. Part of re- rebuilding the ecclesia now on September 6, 2020, number one, it's going to take accepting the new normal. Accepting the new normal. We have had a lot of cultural Christianity, especially for those of us that have grew up in the Bible Belt. We've seen churches fight over carpet. We've seen people with Jesus bumper stickers flip others off. We've seen the Christian plumber with this Jesus fish on there and then charge you double. We've seen all that stuff. Listen, because of the social ills that were already going on in our country for the last few years, cultural Christianity was already on its way out. And I'm going to tell you now, with the pressures that's going on with the pandemic and what it has done to the churches all around, listen, cultural Christianity is all but gone. It is all but gone. There is going to be no room left for anything except for authentic worshipers of Jesus Christ and for the authentic church to continue worshiping because everybody else is getting washed out. There is a study done that said up to 40% of the membership of most churches will be lost in the pandemic. It means they'll just quit coming. The church will no longer be a priority to them. Barna just released a study that, that said this. It said one out of five churches are not expected to survive the pandemic. One out of five churches are not expected to survive. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. This is something that we say in student ministry all the time, too. You don't leave people you're in love with. If you're in love with Jesus and you're in love with his church, it's really hard to leave no matter what's going on. There's some things that we're having to accept about the new normal. As I look out, most everybody's wearing a mask this morning. There's people social distancing. They're sitting with households. There's things that are happening. You know, camps are going to look different. Retreats are going to look different. And I'm, I'm hoping that there's a cure and that all this one day blows over. But it's not beyond the scope of reality that God isn't using this to find out where the true worshiper's at. Jesus said that God is looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. We must be a church who's depending on the Holy Spirit and not our meetings, not our committees, not our own wisdom. I've heard so many times in my my whole life, not just at this church, but, but other churches, I've heard where people would sit there and say, well, you know, the church is a business and we have to run it as a business. Listen, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. That is not true. That is not true. This was, church was never set up to be a business. The church of Jesus Christ, the corporate church, was never set up to be a business. The bottom line in the church is the fame of God's name. The bottom line in the church 
is that the next generation will know. The bottom line in the church is that lost people can find their way to Jesus Christ. Are there business aspects? Yes, I'm not saying that. Yes, we have to pay the bills. We have to do all kinds of things. I'm not saying that. There's business aspects and things that have to be taken care of in the church. But the bottom line in the church is not, are we going to be able to make it financially? No matter what happens, guys, no matter what happens, if this church thrives, we go to five services and we have 1,500, 2,000 show up here on Sundays. No matter what happens in the next little while, one day, and God forbid this happened in our lifetime, but one day this building here, look out the windows. One day, whether it's a fire, whether it's a bulldozer, whether it's a wrecking ball, one day this building's coming down. One day this Ebenezer Baptist Church is going to cease to exist. God forbid that happened in our lifetime, but let me tell you, the eternal things that we need to be counting for are those, look to your left and look to your right, is the people in these seats, these souls in the seats. Try to find a young person and look, a kid. That's the eternal value. That's our bottom line. There needs to be a holy unity. Read the book of 1 John. It's a very short. You could go home and do it in less than 30 minutes. About how we are to love one another. Jesus even said, hey, the people are going to know that you're a real Christian. They're going to know that you're a real follower of Jesus Christ by the way that you love one another. We should be delighting when we walk into this room together or we see each other out in the marketplace. We should light up because we see another believer. I was telling the first service about how I love to travel outside of the country and just happen to bump into a believer in Jesus Christ because there just seems to be such a kindred spirit for somebody who grew up so culturally different and is of a different ethnicity and we just seem to hit it off so well because we serve the same living God. Why don't we do that here? Why don't we do it here in our own home? Why can't we come together and delight and delight in Him and worship Him? And as Pastor Wayne led us earlier, be able to thank Him for all the great things that He's done. Are you thankful? Listen, are you thankful for your family? Are you thankful for your homes? Are you thankful for your jobs? Are you thankful for how He has brought you through? Is God in relationship with you? Has He done some things? Has He set you free from some things? Then, oh church, listen, we need to be a people that worships Him because He deserves it. There needs to be a holy unity about us that comes together. We don't need to come together and act like the world when the world comes together and start judging each other or talking about worldly things and being caught up in politics all the time and and all those things. Listen, why don't we talk about Jesus? Jesus is worthy to be talked about. He's worthy to be praised. And if we really lived with Him being the center part of our hearts and our center part of our church, then oh my goodness, man, how life would change for us. How life would change. This brings me to my next point. In rebuilding the ecclesia, it's not about me. 
It's not about me. Listen, being in pastoral ministry, listen, guys, I, I never set out to be like, you know, I wanted to be used to God, but I never set out to actually work in a church. I wanted to play in a Christian rock band the rest of my life, and that just didn't work out. Did for a while, but not not forever. <clears throat> but this is where God called me. But since being in pastoral ministry, guys, I've I, listen. I preached. I've preached at churches. I preached at a church one night, and I didn't even think the message was that good myself. But God used it somehow, and there was altar call after altar call. I didn't think. I mean, I was getting hungry. The pastor just kept doing all. More people kept coming. More people come up, and I was like, "Wow, this is." I'm serious. The multiple altar calls was longer than my sermon itself. It had to have been. And and I go out, and I'm just thankful that God's using his word, and God was able to use me uh, in a way to be able to deliver that word. And I'm out, and I'm shaking hands with people. And this guy walks up to me at the end and says, that was a pretty good message. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, that's good. That's all God, not me. And he says, you ever think about using the King James Bible? Listen, if that's your belief and that's what you want to stick to, then that's fine. But are you really going to see God save all those people and that's the first thing that you come at me with? How about the churches that that split over the color of the carpet? Or over their youth program or over the children's program and all that stuff. Where's authentic worship in that? Where's us coming together in that holy unity. Francis Chan once told a story about a, a worshiper that came up to him after service and, and said something about, you know, they didn't like the music or, or something to that effect. And he, he just looked at him and said, hey, it wasn't for you. And if you don't like the fact that, you know, I don't tuck my shirt in or, or you don't like the music here, you don't like, you know, all that stuff, listen, <clears throat> ultimately it's not for you. And it's not about me. If I need to wear a suit to be able to communicate with a certain group of people, then I'll do it. But I'm also okay wearing shorts and flip-flops. And I mean that. It's, it's not about us. It's not about our preferences. And we're in a place now in, in our church and in, in the corporate church here in America We're in a place here, guys, listen to me, everybody look at me for a second, that if we do not surrender our preferences to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to lose a lot of people. If we do not surrender our preferences to the Lord Jesus Christ for Him to use the way that He wants us to, then we're going to lose a lot of people. I just uh, met with one of our dads, he's not here this Sunday, met with one of their dads uh, from the student ministry, and he and I... We're eating a really, really awesome meal, Red Robin. Everybody say it. Yum. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so and this question popped in my mind because we, we were talking, and I said, because uh, I'm not that big of a fan of rap music. I like a few songs and stuff, and there's some pretty decent Christian rap and stuff. I just don't listen to it. It's not my favorite. Uh, but I asked him, and he's kind of in the same boat, and I said, uh, let me ask you, brother. I said, if your kids, he's got two kids in, in our ministry, I said, if, if you were to see your kid worshiping and living all out for Jesus, but we had to listen to rap every morning on Sunday, would you do it? He said, absolutely. Listen, I love hymns. 
I like some of the old, like, Hillsong music. It's like the old stuff, not the new, the new stuff's okay, but I like some of the old stuff. I really like the way things were done, like, 20 years ago myself. But, guys, I will give it all up. I want to see a move of God. I want to see the next generation be able to reach out in authentic worship and be able to cry out to Him. And I would like to see a movement. Do we have to give it up? No, I don't think we have to give it all away. I think there's a way to do it. And it's not just the music. There's other things. But we have to understand that it's not about us. It's not about me. Which brings me to my next point. We need the right king. We need the right king. Jesus is the head of the church. He told Peter this. He looked at Peter and said, I will build my church. Not you, not your denomination, not your committees, not this group of people that didn't like how things were being done at one place, so they moved to another to do it. Jesus said that I will build my church. We need the right king. And we come in here, you know, that's what this is about. All the singing, the drums, Everything that was being proclaimed this morning is all to bring praise and worship to Jesus. The counseling that happens downstairs in the, in, in the offices point to Jesus. Everything that we study on Wednesday nights with kids and youth and the adults, everything that we study needs to be about Jesus and come from Jesus. We pray to Jesus. We talk about Jesus. This, needs, this worship needs to be about the right king. It's not about us living a good lifestyle that young Republicans would, would, would approve of. Amen, somebody? This isn't about living a lifestyle that's clean and suburban and manicured. Listen, because that ain't where Jesus hung out. And if you want to serve the Jesus of the Bible, listen, we're going to get our hands dirty every now and then. There's going to be some dirt under our fingernails. We're going to have some conversations that ain't fit for TV because there's real people out here struggling. We have to have the right king. The whole Bible, the Bible that we held up earlier, is about Jesus. This is all about Jesus. If this isn't about Jesus this morning, and our purpose wasn't in gathering wasn't about Jesus, but it was about our comfort, then we need to repent. We need to give it up, and we need to repent. Because it's all about Him. Part of our way back to worship is remembering the call. The same way that God stirred in the priests and the leaders. And in the people, and in the king, to restore to authentic worship, we need to remember our call. Some of you have seen real revival before. Some of you have been in the presence of Jesus before, and you've seen it and experienced it, and you know what he can do with a people that surrender to him. So you know what we're headed back to. But some of you were born in captivity, just like the Israelites, and you've never seen it before, whether you're not a follower of Jesus, whether you've never surrendered, or whether you just said a prayer and you've trusted in Jesus, but you've never walked and lived it out. 
No matter what it is, we have a call. If you've experienced it before, we have a call to go back. If you've never experienced a call, or you've never experienced it before, we've got a call to move there. There's a call. Listen, there was a lot of distance that took place from Babylon to Jerusalem. And there's a lot of place, a lot of movement that needs to happen in between American cultural Christianity and authentic worship. Because it's God, listen, I want you to remember this, it's God who determines what authentic worship is. We have the call of the church, the ecclesia, together to be a powerhouse here. Man, there are so many opportunities in our community right now to be reaching out. There's, there's kids and families that are going hungry. There's, there's opportunities for food. There's opportunities, the, the school social workers tell us, that there is a, is, a, is a need for diapers. And we're going to be talking just here in a few minutes about some opportunities that you have to be able to come and be a part of the church here as well. There's the call of the pastor. You guys are fortunate enough to have four pastors on staff here. Three of us are full-time, one is part-time. But the pastors not only lead and preach and sing and counsel, but the pastors help shepherd to keep people in health in their relationship with God. And they, they spell out hope for others as they struggle. There's the call of the leaders of the church, Sunday school teachers, deacons, committee members, that should all, uni- there should be a holy unity among them that we're all on the same the same path to worship King Jesus and that everything that we do is to Jesus or from Jesus or with Jesus. That we live this Jesus-centered lifestyle and we operate in a Jesus-centered mission and ministry. There's the call of believers just in the same way as uh, the believers of this day come together and everyone had to help. Everyone had to help build the wall. Everyone had to help Uh, restore the temple everybody listen spectator christianity is gone it's 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 way past it's gone we can't have this anymore of 80 percent of the work in the church being done by 20 percent but listen because that's not a part of the new normal it's going to take everybody coming and doing their part and you might even say you might even say hey i'm a new christian or i've just started going here listen there's a way to chip in There's a way to be a part. You might be thinking, well, hey, I'm not called to this, or I'm not called to that, or I'm I'm called to uh, administration. That's my spiritual gift. And and praise God, work that out. But listen, all of us every now and then need to take out the trash. Every now and then we've all got to do something. And there's some somethings that need to be done if we're going to be back to be the church that God's called us to be. So there was the call of the believers to step up and everyone to do their part. And next there was the call of the lost. The call of the lost. See, there was a group of people back in Babylon that had married into other cultures and began worshiping pagan gods. And there was a call for them to repent and to begin trusting in the one true God. And this morning, you might have made a profession of faith and you might be a Christian, but you might be living in sin and this has been a perfect time for darkness to sit in in your life. 
I can tell you right now, <clears throat> while churches have had to back off and there, there's been breaks in service and attendance and, and, and gathering and all that stuff, I know one person that has not gave up anything and probably has pressed in a little bit harder, and that's Satan. That's the kingdom of darkness. His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy, and I believe that he has had a heyday during the last four to five months. We see it in the number of people that come in for counseling. We, we hear the stories. We, we see what is happening inside of families. Listen to this. Listen right here. The CDC just come out with this focus on the family, sent out an email to us this week that said this. One in four, one in four, everybody say 25%. One in four 18 to 25-year-olds have contemplated suicide in the last 30 days. Listen, the kingdom of darkness ain't letting up at all. It's time for us to be the church. It's time for us to step up the call of who he's called us to be. And listen, if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, listen, it's time for you to answer that call, to be able to put your faith and trust in him, to be connected with God, to be forgiven of all of your sins, and to know that you have an eternal life with Jesus. We would love nothing more but to see you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning and for us to be able to baptize you um, in the coming weeks. So this morning, um, we're going to talk about a, a, a few things. We'll, we'll be done soon, I promise. We're going to talk about a few things that, that we've got coming up where we can be the church, where we can meet some needs. And um, I want to ask Pastor Isaiah uh, to come up, and, and we're going to talk about a few things that, um, that we've got coming up on Wednesday nights. And and just a, a, a few ways that where we can help and be the church during this time. I want to make sure I forgot one of my questions last night, so I made myself some notes. So we've got, uh, on Wednesday nights, we have, um, uh, we're starting with youth this Wednesday night, with kids and adults this coming Wednesday night. So not only are we meeting back on Sunday mornings here in this building, uh, but we're also reaching the next generation and having an opportunity together on Wednesdays. So we're doing uh, what's called 51 uh, for the youth. That's middle school and high school. Thursday nights we'll be meeting in a small group for young adults, college students, and everything. And then you guys, um, EBC Kids, mm -hmm. Um, uh, we'll be meeting as well. So let me ask you uh, something. Um, what do you believe in God for with EBC kids right now? What What are you believing that God can do right now? Uh, well, yeah. So um, like like Jeremiah said, you know, we're we're starting up Wednesday night programs, and um, not just for the youth, but the kids as well. And then and then also for the the adults as well. So great great time to be plugging in and 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 everything like that. But but really, when it comes to what am I believing God for is, is you know, it, it's, that's a tough question to, to answer, I think, just because I've got my perspective, you know, and, and I've got my bias, and I've got maybe, maybe the push and, and things that, that I would like to see. But, but ultimately, I think for myself and I think ultimately for, for us as, as a church body, 
I think what we need to do and, and make sure that we um, monitor ourselves for is is that we we believe God for for what He wants and we put His perspective first and and recognize that that it is like you're saying authentic worship starts and ends with God. I mean, and so it's this coming back and recognizing where God is and and what He would He would have have to do. And so I I. I pray that for for the children's ministry. I pray that for the youth. I pray that for the church as a whole. That we that we all take heed and, and and look through the perspective that God has for us as we move forward. So I think that's that's probably where I'd stand. So uh, I just mentioned we're starting fifty one uh, for youth on Wednesday night, which is is kind of we we started to do it back in the in the winter. Uh, but it's actually uh, in aligned with what you're going to be doing on mm-hmm. Wednesday nights now. So you've got a preschool program that's called Gopher Buddies, mm-hmm. and then the kids program is called Olympians. So mm-hmm. how do you think Gopher Buddies and Olympians fits into what you just said? Yes. Yeah, so uh, so really, this idea of the church coming together, and this this idea of of families coming together. One of the cool things about the Olympians program and the the Gopher Buddies program and the 51 program is that it's centered around building these these habits of getting into God's word. And so it, spending time on a daily basis and, and using baby steps to get into a, 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 a bil- an ability to get into God's word on a daily basis. And so um, one of the things, you know, talking about trying to figure out God's perspective, uh, you can't do that without God's word. I mean, that's that's where it has to start. We're we're all on this process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus. And in order to do that, you have to be in God's word. You can't know who God is unless you know what he said and shared with us. And he's done that so freely. I mean, we each have a copy of God's word with us. And um, and so utilizing that and digging into that to to see that. And I think that your program does that. My you know, my program does that as well. And then. Uh, also for the adults, the the Bible study that they're doing, mm-hmm. just giving different opportunities to get into God's word so that we can be authentic and see things from God's per- perspective. Yeah. So just a few minutes ago, I talked about, um, you know, about how the people of Israel, like they had to, you know, gather up gold, silver, but mm-hmm. also the other things from the temple and everything like that. And so I kind of referred that to uh, time, talent and treasure. Um so with that in mind, with everybody bringing something, time, talent, and treasure mm-hmm. or whatever, if budget was not an issue yeah. for EBC kids and even EBC youth as well, uh, if that and, and then we don't call them volunteers, we call them leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we had plenty of adult leaders and plenty of budget and those, those sorts of things, if that, that was the case, what, what do you see, what, what would be the big thing that you could mm-hmm. see God do in between now and Christmas with those things in place? Yeah, I think, so with, you're talking about the ecclesia, we've talked yeah. about that, mm-hmm. and, and, and how the ecclesia is, is the body coming together. Mm-hmm. God has brought each individual here together, and we each have different past stories that have brought us to this point, and and all of that plays into bringing us where we are now. And it's amazing just to think that we're all sitting together right now. Um, I mean, just with the different backgrounds, you came from Georgia and you mm-hmm. ended up here. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just that in, in and of itself. Is that gum. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, and so <laughs> even that in and of itself is just, it's amazing that God is, 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 is kind of using everything to bring mm-hmm. together. And so 
thinking about budget, thinking about um, thinking about the members that we have. Um, I think what we, you know, I don't know if it is an issue. I, you know, I don't know if the volunteers, the leaders that we have are an issue or the budget is mm-hmm. an issue because God can do whatever he wants to do with his church. And, 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 it, and it, it, it does take us coming together and, yeah. and applying the experiences that we've gone through and, and really looking through the perspective of God to move forward, I think. Absolutely. So I think I kind of know what my answer is for this, and, and we'll talk about yours uh, as well. But what do you, what are one thing, like there's parents out here, there's grandparents out here. What's one thing that parents can do to, just one thing that they could do well to help these programs go off, to be able to, you know, for us to catch some major momentum after being gone for four to five months? Yeah. Um, what what's something we can do to see some success as parents? Well, I think one of the things that um, that I kind of have to do, I'm not a parent. I don't know if you guys know that. I'm not a parent. I don't have any kids. Not so yet. Yeah. yeah uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm not a parent. And so um, so one of the things that I have to do is uh, being in, in children's ministry and working with parents, um, I, I have to recognize and realize that parents have a perspective that I don't have. And so I try to lead with listening, understanding that that the parents have a parents have a goal, and they're leading their children in the way in which they should go. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I try to lead with listening when dealing with you know talking with parents. And um, and so I think the same thing is true for the kids in our generation. They're yeah. they're growing up. They're seeing a perspective of of just culture that that you know, I didn't grow up through and their parents didn't grow up through. And so um, recognizing that and looking back down and saying, you know what, you see the world different than I do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to lead in listening for you. And so um, so I think that same idea comes into play. And there's a there's a really good book um, by uh, David Straub or Joshua Straub, excuse mm-hmm. me, Joshua Straub. And he it's a book called Safe House. And mm-hmm. he and he goes into detail about um, leading with listening and uh, raising children to learn love and lead well is it, 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 that that's a that's a really b- good book. So that's that's a plug for y'all if you want yeah. it. So. That's great. Yeah. So I think um, you know our programs um, are going to be using what's called a quiet time, and what I've seen in parents, uh, something that I've seen different in my own neighborhood. Um, and just around town, as I've seen more families walking together, mm-hmm. I've seen more families spending time together, uh, and I think that's a great thing, and I think we as a church need to partner with parents in that, and so this quiet time, we're actually going to be asking mm-hmm. parents to lead in that in their home, um, and so everybody will have their individual quiet time <coughs> uh, with, with this book, um, and that we're all going together at the same time, we're all going to be reading the same scriptures every day. Mm-hmm. And those things, and so I think parents leading in that will also set a really good example. Yeah. So, um, so I think that's one thing that parents can help. So, um, so for our ministries on Wednesday night, you know, we are, um, you know, we're not meeting in the education building. We're EBC Kids is meeting back in the main campus gym, and parents are welcome and encouraged to attend. Uh, youth is going to be in here. Parents are welcome to attend, uh, but there's also going to be. <coughs> adults meeting downstairs mm-hmm. in the conference room for a study and everything like that. So, uh, something that I didn't tell you about in the first service. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> but I saw a shirt the other day, and it reminded me of my love for you. Oh, okay. So, All right. 
I've got it on under this. Is it all right if I take this shirt? Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> you have to ask them. I, mean, I don't know if they want. One thing you got to know is I'm a hugger, and this has been death for me for the, like that. So, anyway, <laughs> we'll hug later. Don't worry. All right, about it. All so, right. Okay. All right. So we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up um, and everything. So I believe that there is a a call. Listen, we haven't spent 70 years in exile. We've spent a few months with some things going on. It's affected things. One in five churches are expected to not survive this pandemic. As high as 40% of, of members in churches could be gone. Now, more than ever, we need to believe in the power of God like never before. We need to believe in, for something bigger, for something better. Listen, this isn't on our own power anymore. This isn't something that we can make happen. But this is an opportunity that we can get on our face before God and welcome His presence here and trust Him to be able to reach our community for Christ and for us to be the authentic, authentic worshipers of Jesus Christ that He's called us to be. While we're not together taking hammers and rebuilding a temple and stone. We are rebuilding an ecclesia. We are rebuilding a church, a gathering. And I'm not just talking about Ebenezer. I'm talking about the church as a whole. We are coming back to authentic worship. And it's an opportunity for everyone to have a part. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, come to you in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word here today. Lord, we just thank you. Um, God, for helping us remember what you've spoke to our hearts during this time. Lord, we need your presence. We need you. We want you more than anything, God. And we need you. Lord, we pray for EBC kids. We pray for EBC youth. We pray for our young adults. We pray for our adults, our parents and grandparents. We pray for the members of our church, God, and we ask you to come and put your hand of blessing, favor, and protection. Anoint them for this work that you have called them to do. Lord, we pray for our pastors. We pray for Pastor Bob, myself, Isaiah, Wayne. We pray for the leaders of this church, our deacons. God, that you would raise us up, God, in your power, not our own. It's not dependent on our experience, our degrees. It's not dependent, God, on our business wisdom, God. But it's us depending on your Holy Spirit to be who you've called us to be, God. Because it's you that determines the worship. It's you that determines how this thing goes. And so, God, this is yours. Jesus, this is your church. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Let's close out singing together and um, let's use this song to just express our commitment to trusting God for everything, knowing that he's our only hope and he's the one that has the power to work through us to do the things he's calling us to do.
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, Weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. Amen. I hope that you guys have an amazing week going out, trusting in the hope that we have in Him, His faithfulness, and the things that He can do through us. Have a great day.